0: Hello, and welcome to the Source 1 Podcast. Consider us your source for the latest procurement, supply management, and strategic sourcing insights, anytime, anywhere.
1: So we're here once again on the Source 1 Podcast, (laughs) talking talent with our friend Andrew Jones. How's it going, Andy? It's going, Bennett. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. Yeah, it's a little hot out. Sweating bullets at my desk here. Can't win them all. So, Andy, the impetus for our conversation here today was an article on undercover recruiter on the Tinder effect on recruitment. So, you are someone who's so you are someone who is uh, skeptical, to say the least, about the rapid digitization of the recruitment process. I guess off the bat, which portions of your job and of the recruitment process in general do you think benefit from bringing them online, from digitizing them?
0: Well, I think using LinkedIn is big because not everybody's gonna be on the job boards. Mm -hmm. Not everybody's gonna be in your database of candidates. So I like to use LinkedIn, check out the profile, and then I'll send a job description with a blurb and and my contact information. But um, beyond that, you really don't know until you have a conversation with somebody. Mm -hmm. And the more people that you can talk to, the better. Now, I don't mean if you're, sourcing or recruiting for procurement, you're gonna go talk to an accountant. That's that's not gonna happen. You're not gonna have an in-depth conversation with an accountant. But, you know, not everybody's a professional resume writer right. or a professional LinkedIn, or a LinkedIn writer. So you don't know until you dive deep. And I feel like these applications like a Tinder, for instance, put too much screening up in front that kind of eliminates candidates right off the bat, so you
1: can't have a conversation. Yeah, familiar with the app Switch? I saw that's the one that's most commonly referred to as sort of the Tinder of recruitment. Mm -hmm. You can sort of put like a partially obscured application up and uh, swipe right or swipe left on organizations you might be interested in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, there was somebody that was talking to me about
0: a software where it automatically comes out, and I don't know exactly how it's filtered, but... People request what you know the salary range they want to have. So let's say it's 85 to 90, and maybe the position I have offers 80 to 83. Well, automatically, this qualifies that candidate. When I mean, there are a lot of things to look at with a job, and I, and I can give you a concrete example. I had recruited for a nonprofit agency a couple years ago, and I actually wound up placing about five people there over the course of about a year. And when I you know, would speak with a candidate, let's say the nonprofit was offering a salary of like $50,000, and there would be a candidate that says, "No, nope, you know what, I make $55,000. But the nonprofit I recruited for, there was no deduction coming out of the pay stub at all for health benefits. So let's say you're looking at $600 a month for health benefits, and you make $55,000 a year." or you look at zero coming out of your paycheck each month and you make 50 grand a year, Mm -hmm. you actually wind up netting more at that $50,000 mark than you would at Uh
1: $55,000. And that's the sort of nuance you miss out on when your application process is completely digital and it's all just bullet points on either the resume or the job listing? Absolutely, yeah,
0: I think you do yourself a disservice and you do your candidates a disservice and you do your clients a disservice.
1: You're right, uh, I mean you check off what you are explicitly looking for. I can't tell you how many automated emails I get saying like, you might be interested in this senior marketing executive position, like, well, because I said marketing, you know? <laughs> they, they, for all of the um, ease that they're supposed to add to the application process, it just seems like, I don't know, it's oftentimes a lot of noise.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially in recruiting, <clears throat> I couldn't tell you how many recruiters I've worked with where we'll have candidates in an internal database, and let's say a resume hasn't been updated since 2014, or we have a candidate in from 2014 that applied to a job we didn't speak with. Like, a lot of people go in and reinvent the wheel and try to get a batch of 20 to 30 new candidates. It's like, well, you have people in here, and the argument was, well, they worked somewhere, and they, we don't have an updated resume from 2000. The last resume we have was from 2014. We'll pick up the phone, give that person a call, and find out what they're doing now. I had about three placements this year. The genesis was me being able to go in and do just that. This person hasn't
1: had it updated since 2015. What are they doing now? Pick up the phone, call, and talk. Well, that's the thing, too. It's just uh, you're... I, I feel like it lazy to make so many assumptions when you, when you have this stuff online. Like, if someone hasn't updated their resume, obviously they aren't still looking for jobs or anything like that. Like People forget their passwords. People forget that they put their job up on sites. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, leaving it entirely up to the computers never seems like a good idea. I was reading an article, and it said that Software weeds out the weak rather than finding the best. I mean, would you agree? Are companies settling oftentimes when they fully digitize that process? I agree with that. Yeah, so it gives you the opportunity to swipe left on a bunch of like, why'd you apply in the first place type people without actually, you know, elevating those top candidates.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, <clears throat>
1: I think a lot of, um,
0: a lot of this job is time and hours that you you've got to put in. There's really no way around it if you want to be successful at it, mm-hmm. and. We put all these, you know, we put all these de- these devices or this technology in place, where we think that we're gonna have a shortcut and um, make our jobs a little bit easier. Well, if this job was easy, everybody would do it. Right. And it's not, so everybody doesn't do it. So if you are a headhunter or a recruiter, especially a third-party recruiter, it's, it's expected that you're gonna put time in, you're gonna put hours in, and you're gonna weed it, weed as much
1: out yourself as possible. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to some instances where both you and an organization have been impressed by what you've seen on a resume and then disappointed with the candidate when you ultimately got to the interview stage? Because I feel like like you're playing with fire when you rely completely on whatever document this person came up with to sell themselves, you know? Yeah, well, in my case, I wouldn't let that person get to an interview stage. Mm -hmm. I
0: had one. Resume looked great, and the person couldn't speak to what they did and that was easily flushed out in like the first two minutes you just ask questions and pull as much out of the resume or get a peek behind the curtain of the work experience as much as possible which you're not going to be able to get on a swipe swipe
1: uh left or swipe right Was interesting too that you said the the holes in this person's resume revealed themselves within a few minutes you mentioned the extra effort that goes in with being a recruiter sometimes that extra effort is in certain instances it's it's a minute and a half of extra effort to stop you know a company from wasting their time in exactly. interviewing, further vetting a, a candidate like that, yeah. You know? Exactly. If
0: somebody stutters and stammers. <laughs> well, thank you, Andy. No problem. Thank you. You've been listening to the Source One Podcast. For more strategic sourcing and procurement insights every day, visit our blog, The Strategic Sorcerer. Want to provide feedback or suggest a topic for a future episode? Let us know at prrequest at Thanks for listening.